0: Whether you're self-isolating or social distancing, we've got everything you need to stay safe and stimulated. SocialDistance.co.za
1: As I said 19 minutes ago before we get to 10, Prof, thank you for your patience and thank you for joining us this evening.
0: Thanks, Chris. Well, it's good to be on your show.
1: Great stuff. Prof, the last time you and I chatted, uh, we were worried about uh, you know, the reintroduction of alcohol uh, turns out, you know, into the market. It turns out that, um, you know, what you and I discussed that evening, by then we'd already seen heightened numbers of, of, of people getting into car crashes, people stabbing each other, uh, smacking each other with axes. In fact, I, I quoted your, uh, st- you know, your your um, research uh, to uh, Professor uh, Salim Abdul Karim. I'd just forgotten that I'd spoken to you specifically about it. But, I mean... I guess it comes as welcome news that we're in this uh, situation now. And it just shows that, unfortunately, we've not been very, um, uh, you know, I almost said respectable, but we we have not been very responsible with our drinking.
0: Indeed, and as I said uh, for quite a while, I think we should have implemented some other stricter measures along with the allowing alcohol at the beginning of, of, of level three, but we didn't, and now we're basically out of choices. I think we could have done a number of other measures to reduce availability at that time, but we didn't do that, and now the hospitals are getting full and choices have to be made about who to admit, and so really if we want to save capacity for beds for coronavirus patients, we had, had to make this step and try and, reduce, and try and reduce trauma burden on the country. And one of the ways is alcohol-related trauma, which is probably causing about 50% of the trauma now in level three. That's according to modeling we were doing this past week.
1: I mean, it's 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 really shocking, and and you know we've also seen a lot of. It's not just the trauma cases, uh, you know, the immediate impact, uh, you know, the the axes that are buried in people's heads, or you know, the knives that end up in people's guts. It's unfortunately also the the sad situation whereby people, for example, have been organizing parties and get 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 together,s uh, where people are actually drinking at these uh, specific events, um, and then you know they become more and more irresponsible. Uh, the the president also talking about after tears. And I think anyone who is familiar with the notion of an after tears would know uh, that it all too often also involves drinking. And with that, people become more responsible and, and less likely to then maintain the basics like social distancing and everything else that's needed to keep people safe.
0: Exactly. I think that's one of the, the big reasons why why they have been concerns about alcohol and that it's a social phenomenon and that when people drink, their inhibitions drop and you know it's likely to increase the transmission rate, which is not something we need to do at this moment. So I think we will also get a we will also get a benefit. And I think the uh, the, the curfew, the reinstitution of a curfew at nine o'clock, will also probably help to reduce that drinking with people who are outside the immediate home environment. So I think I think the government's done two things now too. To have an impact, and you know, often one can criticise government for not making decisive action. But tonight, tonight they've done that, and I think it certainly will, will um, alleviate. It will help to alleviate some of the pressures. Uh, Professor Karim was talking about even if it only has a 20% impact, but mm. our modelling shows that perhaps that will be the impact in the first week or two. But that it could rise, probably up to about 40%, reducing 40% of alcohol-related trauma, which is only 50% of trauma. In, you know, as it as it stands. But even that effect, even if we can reduce twenty percent of overall trauma, you know, over an eight week period that would prevent Fifty thousand people coming to trauma units around the country, and that would in, in turn allow perhaps eighteen thousand people to get access to ICU beds and things. So it, there are real practical ramifications for the government taking what's probably yes. a very unpopular step because you know it, will, it, it You know the industry is making a strong case that the jobs involved and things like that. But I think the short-term issue we have to face is: it won't go on forever. It, it might only, as as, as Prof. Karim was saying, it, it probably will only last for up to perhaps eight weeks. And then we get back to a normal situation, but we mustn't, I think we need to then look at what other steps we're going to take to to control the sale of alcohol so that we don't end up in the same situation yet again over the next year or so in the future. You see Prof, uh,
1: part of what worries me also about you know the and, and the president made it clear and, and uh, that it's with immediate effect, which means that no one's going to be able w- will have the luxury of being able to get up tomorrow morning and quickly run off to the shops uh, to the bottle store and then stock up and, and make sure that they have uh, their their week's supply or their month's supply of alcohol, right? But at the very same time, the fact is that a lot of people are as an example, um, alcohol dependent and they may not be, uh, you know, drunkards that fall over themselves, you know, because of a bottle of whiskey at night, but you know, they need that beer to stop the hands from shaking in the morning. They need, um, you know, all kinds of things, uh, you know, to, to, to help them cope throughout the course of the day. And the, and the sad thing about it is, is that with a sudden closing of the taps, that is not able to be, you know, people aren't able to manage that. And, and just because you bring it to an end, just because you know, end the supply does not necessarily mean um, that the person's addiction or the person's dependency on, say, alcohol, as, as an example, comes to an end. How do we manage that? Because that in itself can also lead to, to all kinds of crises. And I think it's, it's probably a lesson that we should have learned um, with the onset of our first uh, lockdown.
0: Exactly. I think I've been saying this since level five. I think it would have been good to have the government take a, a, a greater, sort of more understanding approach to people who are going to be uh, struggling because of the, the you know, a, a reimposition of a ban. And you know, um, there are actually large numbers of people in South Africa who are probably alcohol dependent. We have probably eight. You know, we probably have about five to six percent of the pop of the. Of the, of the adult population who could be dependent on alcohol to some degree who will struggle with withdrawal if it's not available um so i think what we should have done also is to is to show that we're a caring society we, we sort of mobilize action to say you know if you're in these positions you, you struggle with these kind of uh, symptoms then here's some numbers you can call mm. the clinics are open um you know make sure that we have medically assisted treatment for people who need you know anti-anxiety medication vitamin b12 or or and if it's really, really, really bad. So I think we haven't shown, you know, we're expecting people to go cold turkey. And I think it would be good to have done that extra step to say, we know some people are going to be dif- finding this difficult. What can we do? And to, to show that we, we've mobilized resources to help those, those those people.
1: Now, Prof, the last time you and I chatted, you you spoke about, you know, um, stringent me- measures around Uh, the sale of alcohol. Obviously, we know that at the time that alcohol was reintroduced into the market, it was uh, limited to Monday to Thursday sales um, from... Uh, What was it? Eight o'clock till five o'clock. That's when bottle stores were open and obviously closed over weekends as well as Fridays. Um, And you at at the time, I think both of us agreed that, well, technically speaking, that's not necessarily good enough because I can always pop in on a Thursday uh, or I can pop in on a Monday. um, Fill my trolley with as much booze as I want, um, go home and get myself plastered over a weekend um what what measures could have been taken, or was this ultimately this was it this is what was this was the only option available to government, or could government maybe have introduced stricter measures instead?
0: No definitely, and I think a number of us a number of people have been sort of pushing for a sort of a basket of measures which could perhaps have been implemented at the same time we We had four days a week from nine o'clock in fact till till five o'clock. And uh, we could have perhaps put limits on the amount that people can purchase more to stop the the on sale of alcohol through people who don't have a license. So we had bu- pictures of bucky loads of people going off and, and reselling it. I think we should have put limits on that, the, in, the amount you can buy and the amount you can transport. I mean, just to stop the sort of reselling. Um, uh, Possibly we, we shouldn't have opened up all the on-consumption outlets, giving them an opportunity to sell alcohol for off-consumption sales because we just massively opened up at that point in time. And certainly, so, you know, I think that, that we could have just stuck with the off-consumption outlets. Um, I think we needed to get a clear message out that we want to deal with alcohol-related trauma. So there talks now about uh, reducing blood alcohol level for drivers to zero. Uh, I mean, I think 0.02 is a better level, but I think we, we could have moved ahead with that more rapidly and said, you know what? No drinking and driving during level three. We're not going to permit it. We're going to do more roadblocks to test that so we can keep the, the drug drivers off uh, or, you know, out of our hospitals. Um, certainly, I think we could see... Better policing against public drinking. Certainly, mm. I've, heard, I've been on the radio and heard people phone in from people saying they're next to a in People are drinking outside without masks, and that. Obviously, you want you want compassionate policing. You don't want police injuring people. But I think we should be looking at at effective compassionate policing and stopping that sort of behaviour. I think around marketing, we've seen a lot of very interesting marketing from the alcohol companies trying to be responsible. But, but in fact promoting alcohol. And I think we should have said, you know what, we don't want any marketing during level five. Um, we're opening up, but you can market it at the point of sale, but not not on radio, TV, and newspapers. And the other thing is we, we seem to have a, a problem with larger containers of alcohol. Um, certainly research done by the MRC has shown that people drinking from above average container sizes, for example, you look at the 750 ml or mm, 1 liter mm beer containers, and that's linked to heavy drinking. You say, you know what, if you're going to buy alcohol now at this point in time, beer, for example, you can only buy it in the 330ml can. We don't want to promote sharing. We don't want to promote overuse and things like that. So those are some of the, the strategies we could have perhaps implemented, and maybe we should start talking about doing that at the end of this next temporary ban so that we, we don't end up with the same situation in sort of 9, 10 weeks' time if it, if it only lasts 8 weeks.
1: Well, Prof. I mean, we we have a tradition of the court in in South Africa. You know, the seven hundred and fifty ml container, um, and and it's almost sort of the, that's that's people's preferred drinking because I guess it's volume, right? It's bang for your buck, for lack of a better term. But let's go back to the industry itself. Um, there's obviously plenty of people who are very ticked off right now from within the industry. That that I I, I saw one or two people on TV already. I'm sure that there's. Uh, a couple of uh, concurrent radio (laughs) shows where uh, people are expressing their unhappiness uh, with the fact that this has obviously been removed or taken away, uh, that alcohol is no longer available for sale. Um, What is the impact that the industry is going to feel? And ultimately, you know, within this broader South African economy that has taken a serious knock as a result of COVID-19 already, is there a legitimate case to be made to say, but hang on, it's, it's a bit much, Um, that, you know, we need to, we we actually do need uh, to see as many industries as possible opening up and it's up to government to regulate it so that it doesn't become problematic.
0: Well, yes, government does have a role to play in regulating the industry and I think we, we, if we look at what's happening, I think we... We can certainly improve the regulation by government and also the enforcement of regulations when they are there. I think we, we have a very lax system. We could do much more to regulate marketing. But it's not just the government's role. The industry has a role to play. You know, they're, they're uh, very much engaged in lifestyle marketing. They'll, they'll make claims about their products which have no, have no basis. I mean, sunshine in a bottle or something like that. That's, that really, you know, they, they're trying to sell lifestyle rather than the product. And I think we should be, be, be asking, well, why don't we just allow marketing marketing of the actual verifiable product, you know, attributes of the product rather than sort of lifestyle and financial and social success. So certainly that's the problem. And as I talked about, you know, you talked about the larger containers, you know, it's nothing sacred about a quart bottle. It's it's taxed less, the excise tax is less on it. Um, You know, we have a problem. Um, Basically, if you look at WHO data, we are the we have the sixth highest level of per capita consumption of absolute alcohol per drinker per day at something like 64 grams. That's between five and six standard drinks per drinker every day. And, and and some of us aren't drinking in that amount. So a lot of people are drinking at a lot higher levels than that. So you know, the industry also has some things to, you know, the, the business model is premised on Uh, on a large proportion of their drinkers drinking to excess. So, you know, for them to be crying foul now, yes, I understand that there are jobs and lives at stake, but we really need to get the whole industry's business in order. And, And maybe we're producing... For, for example, too, too much beer at 3.2 billion liters of beer per year by SA breweries. That's, you know maybe maybe you know there's, there's too much being produced and it's not sustainable without people drinking to excess. So you know, I'll take. I, I'm concerned about people who work in the industry, but but you know I think we also need to look at what the industry is doing and has done to, to create some of the problems we're experiencing in this country. Many other countries aren't taking such drastic mm. but we we having to do that. Prof, as
1: a final thought, I mean, and it's something that you and I touched on the last time, and it's a conversation that we need to have at one point or the other. And this is this idea that clearly in South Africa, we have a drinking problem. In other words, uh, and and the reason why I'm saying that is because there are many other countries globally where people drink, had, had the opportunity to drink during lockdown. Um, where people, you know, and, and you know, lockdown has almost become a global phenomenon. Let's be honest about that. And very sure. few c- countries have gone through the ex- to the extent of, say, banning alcohol, banning cigarettes, banning this, that, and the other. People were able to buy a DOP. People were able to have a drink. And countries that are renowned for binge drinking, countries that are renowned for having a drinking problem or heavy drinkers, but, you know. The I, I guess, I don't know, maybe I haven't done sufficient research, but they don't seem to have the problems that we have with drinking. And, and it's something that we really need to start thinking about as to why it is that when the taps were opened up again, we sort of lost it. And, you know, it was now full party mode and we just went nuts, quite frankly.
0: Yeah, I think if we, if we look at the example of there have been some other countries not just during the lockdown, but um, you know Russia for example had a huge problem in, in the early two thousands with Pripyatka, and they instituted and and if life expectancy was, was very low, and they instituted a number of measures, including some of the ones that I've talked about here, and also um, tracking the where alcohol flows through. So we have a lot of alcohol, for example beer that flows from the legal market into the illegal market through taverns, and and so they track. So you can find out if you, you pick up alcohol further down the chain, whether it's been supplied illegally, whether where there was a breakdown. So mm-hmm. I, think, I think we can deal with it. Um, Russia turned things around. And I think we can. We, we need a more responsible drinking culture. And um, I think, you know, when are we having to face some of these hard decisions? And it's, it's painful. But let's, it, we, let's get this back on track again. No one wants a, a, a ban on alcohol continuing for too long.
1: No, for sure. Look, Prof, I, I really appreciate your time this evening. Um, and let's hope that this time around, you know, we've learned our lessons, so that if the taps do open up again, albeit taps are opened with, uh, you know, with caution, the fact of the matter is we can't have a situation whereby people just lose it, basically drink themselves motherless, as we would say many, many years ago while I was still a student. And then we find ourselves in, in, in quite frankly, a horrific situation. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, exactly,
1: infecting jobs and all that. But I don't think we had much choice right now. No, no, for sure. Thanks so much. All the best to you. Thank you. Thank you. Josh. There was uh, Professor Charles Perry, director of the Alcohol and Tobacco and Other Drug Research Unit um, at uh, the South African Medical Research Council, and I mean, we had this conversation previously, and he was, of course, uh, you know, talking specifically. Um, about the fact that um, when we initially opened up the tap, so to speak, when alcohol uh, was unbanned,